listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon podcast. As always, I'm Thomas Irwin. And boy, oh boy, we have a fun episode for this week. Got Mark Grundhofer, friend of the podcast, coming back on, calling in from Georgia. And uh, he's a big prog rock fan. Yes, being one of his absolute favorite bands and Close to the Edge being his top Yes album. And I'm not as much of a prog rock fan, but I can definitely get into Close to the Edge. This is a masterwork, if ever there was one. So before we get into that, I just want to tell you about Mark's new Patreon. He's launching, uh, in addition to being a super prolific songwriter and guitarist in his own right, uh, he's got great music all over the internet. He's also launching a new Patreon called The Complete Guitarist. He's a guitar teacher, years and years and years of experience. Uh, He's played all over the country, and uh, he's got a really immersive thing going on on the old Patreon there. If you're learning guitar, uh, maybe you're a little more than a beginner. You might be intermediate or high intermediate. Uh, he, He covers theory and a whole lot of stuff, a lot of videos. It's quality material. So again, that's uh, The Complete Guitarist on Patreon if you want to check that out. And of course, me, Niagara Moon, I got a whole bunch of albums online to listen to. CDs available for purchase as well, of course. But, uh, you know, give Niagara Moon a listen sometime if you haven't in a while, or you might be uh, new to my whole psych Baroque pop ditties. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to get into Yes Talk now. Uh, Here we go with Close to the Edge. All right, Mark. So cool to have you back on the Niagara Moon podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. And what album are we talking about today? Let's do Close to the Edge. One of my, uh, I mean, easily top top albums of all time. So Close to the Edge by Yes from 1972. Uh, best prog album, at least of the 70s? I would, I mean, yeah, I would say so. It's, it's, it's definitely my favorite. Um, you know, there's some... There's some people that might argue towards, you know, King Crimson and stuff, but you know, you the 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 great King Crimson album, wasn't that like 68, 69? So, 69, so we're, yeah. we're we're safe in the 70s here with Close to the Edge as the as the front runner. Yeah, this takes up the mantle from uh, in the court of the Crimson King. Very different music right. though, different styles in a lot of ways. I yeah, I love King Crimson, but that version of King Crimson never grabbed me. This version of Yes, you know, had me from the moment I heard the uh, the little twinkly uh, mm-hmm. organ and nature sounds that swell in the beginning yeah. of the track, I mean, it's just it's just so cool. Yeah, it hooks you from step one. It really does. Right. I mean, the whole the whole first section of Close to the Edge is probably my favorite moment in in any song. You know that 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 chaotic guitar riff over the the walking bass line and then the the the, the vocal stabs mm. that come out of nowhere you know i remember the first time i heard that i can still remember listening to that and just going what's happening like like it, it did make it made no sense to me in the best way and i kind of wish i could get that again cuz now i know it so intimately that you know um 
I, you know, play the air keyboards on it and, and hit the stabs with the vocals and all that, and, you know. Yeah, and that's the moment of the album that is, like, the least written down, right? That's, like, the, the part of, like, controlled improvisation. That's, like, the wild part. I think so, that's yeah. That's how they started. Yeah. Even though they play it exactly the same live, oh, okay. there's no improvisation anymore. But maybe, maybe in the maybe in the studio, there, there probably was a lot more. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it was a lot more improvisational. But I don't know. That's I, I guess that's the genius of Steve Howe. Those if he you know to be able to the guitarist right play those lines. Yeah, Steve Howe on guitar to play those lines is you know incredible enough. But to to think that there was any form of improv on that, I'd have to labor for weeks to, to write the lines that he just so casually plays over that intro because they're they're just so incredibly cool with his sort of almost country-esque Chet Atkins style, um, you know, played through the ES Gibson 175, the big hollow body, you know, cranked up through an amp. Oh, it's just, it's just awesome. All over this album is musicians making this sound and feel very easy and very natural and then as soon as you dig into it it's like uh, all of them individually are just rare virtuoso talented freaks like they're, they're, yeah. it's amazing how they all found each other and can like meet each other where they're at musically right well you know it, it it's i think that's what makes yes so good is their they're playing some of the most complicated, intricate music there is, and yet you can sing along to it. You know what I mean? Like it's still yeah. got like these pop sensibilities, yes. right? It's got these like, um, you know, when 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 Yes went '80s and the Trevor Rabin era, mm-hmm. and people kind of got down on them. I, you know, I'm sitting there thinking they've always had that. They've always had the 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 ability to write a hit song. It's just that they also have the ability to play these you know, sort of counterpoint melodic oh, yeah. lines that make it seem complicated. But there's always a melody in there that's super singable. That's one of the genius things of this band is they never lose sight of the basics and like just that that giving you enough of that melody and that song structure and that sense of momentum to just house everything else. You, they can do so much within that, but they still stick to the important stuff, which I've, you know, that that must make them must be one of the reasons why they're one of the most successful bands in the genre, if not the most. Why they've endured yeah. forever, right? You know, and they have such a cool ability to create a melody and then 12 minutes later bring it back. Oh, the the amount of, yeah, and got the reprises and the, the callbacks to previous yeah. musical ideas, seamless. I mean, that's the classical influence too, big time. Right, for sure. For sure, it's just incredible how they can how they can do that and how they can uh, you can completely forget what song you're listening to and then there'll just be a little hint of the melody and you're like oh yeah that, that I remember that from yeah like 18 minutes ago when the song started you know masterful uh, so so where were you when you first heard this album and this band I mean my uh, my dad is a huge Yes fan and uh, I grew up uh, listening to. All this, you know, all these bands of the '70s progressive rock bands. He uh, he's a keyboard player, so Rick Wakeman was a big, mm. you know, a big thing for him. Um, and he had he had all these uh, albums. He had all the records in his in his record collection. And I just remember going through his record collection, knowing nothing about any of these bands. And because of the cover art, 
yes, you know, of course. those albums were, were very, yeah. So, you know, I saw, you know, Fragile, uh, Topographic Oceans was probably the first one I really got into because That's of the cover That's one of the coolest art. covers, yeah. Roger Dean. Yeah. It's, master right. work on that one. It's so awesome. And then I was just, and, and then as a young kid who knew, who was taking piano lessons, you know, I didn't understand how a, how a band could have an album that was four songs, mm-hmm. right? That's Topographic Oceans, right? Four songs on, you know, four sides of, of a record. And it just blew my mind. Yeah, like four 20-minute songs. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and Close to the Edge, while the album cover is cool, it's not nearly as, as intricate as, you know, to, to a kid's. Yeah, so um, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the first one that I really got into. Um, yeah, so Tales from the Topographic Oceans, Fragile, uh, relayer, those are really mm. epically cool um, covers. But I, I, I did get you know close to the edge out, put it on the turntable, crank it up, and you know not to not to sound you know like an like an old dude, <laughs> but you know we didn't have phones. How old, how old were you at this time? Like you're still kid. I mean, this would have been this would have been the late '80s probably when I did that, right? So quite young. Yeah, you know, yeah, I was I was a kid, you know. Maybe late '80s, early '90s, um, and I just remember sitting there, and this is the this is when you would just sit and listen to a record, right? You wouldn't do anything else, you know. It would just you just stare at it as it spins around. What a novel around. concept! And yeah, I know, right? Um, which, to be honest, before we filmed this, I did that. I did that um, before we started the party. last night. It was it was kind of late. I have I have that actual like I got my dad's yeah. record collection, so I have that actual Get the vinyl out. You know, close to his close to the edge uh on vinyl and i put it on i just laid laid on the on the bed and just you know stared at the ceiling and listened to it again um i wish i could hear it for the first time again um because i again i know it's i know the title track i know and you and i i I know all the all the tracks like very intimately i've I've worked through guitar Mm -hmm. parts and bass parts for different different tunes um but uh, yeah, I just, you know, just sitting there listening to it and uh, hearing hearing that intro. Um, I loved the sitar guitar mm-hmm. that um, that Steve Howe uses. Um, th- I mean, I could spend you know half an hour just talking about the organ oh, solo. Oh boy! Well, the the the, the, the pipe organ yeah. recorded in the church. Yeah. That's one thing. But then he comes out and Rick Wakeman does that just blistering organ solo, which. I mean, I don't think it gets better than that moment right there. That that organ solo over the theme, right, right from right. the over the verse theme, but they're playing it differently, right? They're they're accenting it differently, and he's got that that sort of double tapped organ solo, solo, right? Like every note he's hitting twice. Oh man, <laughs> it's just oh, it gets it gets me it gets me pumped up whenever that part comes on, you know. So would you say Rick Wakeman is your favorite component of this album, or is it? It's, it's I think. Well, it's too hard to think of it like so, that. So yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, to be, I mean, uh, I, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I mean, at least like close to the edge for me is 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 about Rick Wakeman. Steve Howell does amazing stuff and is a guitar player. But you know, I spent a whole lot of time intentionally not learning Steve Howell because I kind of like felt like he was untouchable. It was yeah, exactly. And I wasn't very good, you know, when I first started. So I was like, I, he's like, that's Steve Howell's up at the top. I'm just not going to, I just can't do it. I'm not going to like insult him by like, like, you know, butchering his riffs. 
Um, as time went on, of course, I, I started, you know, I wanted to learn from him. So I started, you know, picking out riffs and things like that. And I had bands that might do, you know, we might play roundabout or something like that or try to play roundabout. Um, but uh, yeah, now Siberian Katru, that song is, I've, I've picked through most of that one on the guitar. Yeah, that is such I, a cool guitar I feel like that's the, the strongest showcase for, for guitar riffs. For sure. Yeah, that's kind of the for funkiest sure. one too. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, uh, his and, and on a side note, his son did a remix album of a bunch of Yes songs where he got the originals and he did like full, uh, not remixes like he like put put a new stereo mix together. Like he like chopped them up and made them into like dance songs and stuff. Wow! And man, it, I know a lot of Yes fans on the forums that hate that album, but I love it. It's really cool. But the Siberian Katru is especially good because he takes that intro and turns it into this. He he kind of chops it up backwards and turns it into a loop with this sort of you know uh, uh, dance beat behind it. Man, oh, it's super okay, cool. Okay, yeah. So he, he injects so. some creativity into it. Yeah, yeah. So highly recommend. And I mean, he must have had access. Oh, yeah. It sounds like he had access to the master tapes because he was able, or the original, yeah. you know, the tracks yeah, the because he was stuff. able to really chop it up from a from a, a standpoint that someone who just has you know the single file wouldn't be able right. to. Right. So definitely, definitely, definitely check that one out. Having having access to these master tapes, I mean, that must be a a goosebumps experience. Like this is hollowed ground here. I well, it's. I mean, uh, you know, lucky for Stephen Wilson, right? So Stephen Wilson of Porcupine yeah. Tree re- remixes all these old Yes albums, but he did the Close to the Edge one. I think you said you took a listen to A little it bit. I, I wish I gave myself more time to check out the remix in addition to just listening to the original mix. But it's like, it's you weren't exaggerating when you said it's like a whole other album. You can hear so many yeah. more parts. It's like you just lifted the fog uh, right. off of it. Right, right. It, it, it's so cool. It's so cool to just just to hear him pull, you know, bring the bass up in a section that you weren't. It wasn't originally, and um, you know, I still have. I'll still, you know, if, you know, if I had to pick, I'd go to back to the originals. But I just love those Stephen Wilson mixes for just hearing something new, having some new uh, some new approach to it, some new ears yeah, on it. Yeah, it definitely reminded um, me of uh, Giles Martin remixing the White Album. Okay. Which yeah. that Beatles album in particular is very kind of foggy and hazy and muffled in a way, like the way it originally mm-hmm. sounds. I feel like sure. it's a lot more lo-fi than their, their others, obviously. But the way he remixes it, because you know, he's George Martin's son, of course, he gets to mm-hmm. work with all the original yeah. tapes and everything. It's a similar effect of like it sounds way more modern, way more present, and you can hear parts that you never heard before. Um, so that's, that's always a treat when you, when you find something like that. With like a classic album you know so well, and then you can yeah. revisit it through a, like a contemporary remix, and you're like, "Oh my god, <laughs> I could experience this." I don't all know if I've again. listened to that one. I- oh yeah, I recommend that from from 2018. It's it's. Well, did he do? Did he do the Sergeant? Because then Sar- they re- redid Sergeant Pepper too. Did he do uh, that one? Because that one I've heard, but I forget who remixed it. Maybe it was maybe it was Stephen Wilson, the, the White Album, because. Because I mean, okay. if we're side tangent on Beatles, I'm perfectly happy with the way all the original albums sound as is, except for yeah. White Album. I'm okay. like, no, there's a lot of muffledness here. Like, I would be curious to hear gotcha. a, a remix on this. All the, especially like Abbey Road. You don't need to touch <laughs> Abbey Road, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, getting back to Yes, uh, this was the first album from Yes that I heard, and probably okay. the first 
prog album if you don't count Pink Floyd because I think they're kind of doing their own thing anyway. Sure. Um, this is it's prog technically. Yeah, but yeah. Th- this is the first like you know everybody's a virtuoso playing complex stuff kind of prog rock. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, I think it might still be my favorite in the genre. It is. It just mm-hmm. it checks all the boxes I'd want of uh, of an album like this, um, yeah. like the long songs, but the the way the movements are set up. It what a quick eighteen minutes, huh? With that title track. Well, I was I was I was literally about to say like if you need to if you need to you know if you're waiting in the car for someone and you know you've got twenty minutes, just put yep. on this song. It'll be the fastest twenty minutes of your life because the song does not feel like you know eighteen plus. <sighs> Like it's there and then it's done and you're like, ah, oh, I want more. I want another 18 yeah. minutes, you know, it's, uh, it was by quick. I feel everything just came together. Perfect. And I, I do quite appreciate like many of their other albums from this era. And I love Starship Trooper and long distance run around. Mm-hmm. They got plenty of, mm-hmm. of, uh, great hooks, uh, nested in these, you know, prog rock workouts. They, they run yeah. the gamut, but, uh, it's, the flow here is is unparalleled with close to the edge. I, I yeah. really I feel like they, you know they they kind of peaked here and almost like the genre, really just came into its own. I it's it's I'm also kind of a little fickle with Prague as well. Like you know I've I've appreciated a little Genesis, um, definitely plenty of Yes and you know some other bands here and there. But it it's not always a go to genre for me. But this is like there's something just all-encompassing about this one like I, I think this appeals to even like non-prog rock fans per se i think so yeah something transcendent about this one well i think i think you're right because again even if you're not a you know fan of virtuoso mu- music or you you know you don't want the 18 minute song or whatever that right. might be you still get singable melodies you know like I mean, I can, I can, you know, still sing close to the edge in the shower, right, you know, right. like, like you, you've got that, you've got that ability because the, you know, I don't necessarily do that with, you know, uh, shine on you crazy diamond, maybe, you yeah. know, um, I love that song, but it's, it's a little slower. you know, or maybe like in the, or, or in the court of the Crimson King or something like that. Or one of my favorite prog rock bands is Gentle Giant. Oh, I've heard of and, them. Uh, I mean, really tough to listen to sometimes you know um very uh purposefully uh you know dissonant yeah the singer has a very very unique voice um as does john anderson going from as does john anderson but you know john anderson has that just has that ability to you know uh, John Anderson is is an instrument in the band yeah. he's not it's not you know he's he's not really a a a, a yeah, the lyrics sometimes make sense, but most of the times they don't. <laughs> and he's even admitted that he's just trying to to be a part of the uh, the the flow of the song by singing, and the words might be nonsense, you know, or at least not be like a linear right. story. I mean, there. I all right. So it's interesting we're getting into lyrics here. They, I think if you added them all up, like I was looking at them on Genius.com a little bit and, and reading about people's interpretations of it and like the origin of the songwriting, blah, blah, blah. I, I think it all adds up. I don't, and I think all the words were picked very intentionally and it's it's very well written. 
but it just kind of washes over me as if it was a foreign language whenever I listen to Sure. I mean, yeah. the band in general, but particularly this album, uh, they might as well be in Russian or Swahili. Like, sure. they're, they're just sounds that carry the music. Yeah. But I think that's sort of intentional. Like, I think... And, and I think it works in yeah. its favor, though, too. I think that's kind of, you know, John Anderson in, in a nutshell, yeah. though. You know, um, especially when you get into some of the other, like, Tales from the Topographic Oceans, like... <laughs> I couldn't tell you what a single song on that album is about, and I've listened to it a million times. I mean, Close to the Edge has a, has a little bit of a through line, but it's... I, I remember I, I, uh, I mean, was got into Tales from Topographic Oceans, Topographic, whichever, uh, in whichever. middle school, and then you have, what is it, New Somme du Soleil. So I, I felt uh-huh. compelled to ask my French teacher, what does New Somme du Soleil New Somme du Soleil mean? And she's like, well, that's gibberish, but it would mean we are of the sun. Yeah. <laughs> Like, no, that's it. <laughs> that's totally a. That's it. That's a yes. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, idea. Uh, that's there. a that's a John Anderson yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and, and that's and again, it might as well be gibberish, and it is, and that's the most memorable moment from that album, you know, because it's just so melodic, and uh, and beautiful, really. There's so many. They're all about like moments of triumph. Mm-hmm. Just uh, so much of this music in the, in this album, it's just it sounds like they're trying to swallow the world with the, like the majesty of their sound in certain moments. Sure, uh, Bill Bruford plays no small part in that. I know this no, was his right. last album, uh, the drummer, and then they replaced him with Alan White. Uh, there's there's something special about Br- Bill Bruford in this album, huh? Oh yeah, Bill Bruford is incredible. It it, it kind of cracks me up though. Like you can you can you know check out like interviews with him and stuff and he'll say some different reasons why he left but one of the ones that i remember reading about is he left because he just felt like yes was getting too commercial Hmm. and he left after this album with an 18 minute song (laughs) and you you imagine a drummer leaving um, a band nowadays because they're they're too commercial they're they're making too many economically viable decisions (laughs) right exactly but he left and went to King king crimson which it's great and yeah. works for him, you know. And and Alan White is a fantastic oh, drummer. Yeah. He's not Bill Bruford, but you know, he can play Bill Bruford's parts pretty well. But he he doesn't write them as well as Bruford did. But I guess Bruford really hated the writing process for close. Yeah, to the that's edge. the the interest. Um, so you know, when you get into the lore just a little bit, even you read about how they recorded this, and it sounds like this was probably the most punishing, arduous album they might have done. Just how complex everything got and they always talk about how they recorded in you know like 16 to 18 bars at a time exhausting and if you think about how long that would take on a song of this magnitude With tape I only mean, yeah. tape no pro tools no copy paste right and they and they kept talking and they kept talking about how they would they would record um like i guess the uh, the organ part that they went to the church in yep. london to record um they did multiple takes and the take they wanted to keep, they accidentally threw away. <laughs> so the take, the take that's on the album is not the one I, they wanted. I thought there was something about they uh, they found the tape in the rubbish. The missing piece was found, and they inserted it. But that's, that's another, another part, part of the song. That's what I'm saying. Like like that kept wow. happening. It's like guys, just keep them. Don't leave the tapes laying yeah. around. Like you're 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 writing one of the greatest prog masterpieces of all time. Just put them in a file cabinet. The janitor's gonna uh, throw it out. That's exactly it. Um, and I and, and I guess I guess uh, Eddie offered, um, who is just 
one of the greatest producers. Yeah, I mean, he was a huge you know, part honestly, of the band. Just, just so good. Yeah, um, he. Uh, uh, I guess he wanted to capture like sort of that triumphant sound and that live sound. That energy, and they, yeah. They, yeah, they built a stage in the studio, so that's how they recorded. So there's like a big wooden stage, and um, you know that gives it that sort of live big sound. <laughs> But I guess that would also that would also probably mean a lot of like uh, uh, a lot of live takes yeah. because you're going to get a lot of bleed over. So, boy, you got to play that stuff that stuff right. Yeah, I mean, I think that give that's a big part of giving this album this like gooey, homogenous, unionized sound. This is there's no way mm-hmm. you could have music like this with the band not in lockstep with each other and playing together right. as much as possible within the recording process. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's the whole key with them. Uh, and that's such a novel idea too, building a stage in the studio to make the band feel like they play live. I know some other bands, not that I'm a big fan of them, but like you 2 will set uh-huh. things up a certain way to make Bono feel like he's performing to a crowd. Like, you know, got it. He can sing the way he would sing on stage, where he's holding the mic and mm-hmm. you know strutting around or whatever. It's a certain bands okay. will implement <laughs> strategies yeah. to to create a certain energy. But I, I wonder if any other group has done that, like put a physical stage in the studio, custom yeah. for the album. And 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 I think they built like props and stuff too, because you know if you've ever been to a Yes show, there's always Roger Dean style props. Uh, yeah. Um, you know if you've ever se- if you've ever seen them on stage, I mean. Even even on the early days, there would be you know, um, I saw them years ago. I, I've seen them twice uh, live, and once was with the classic lineup with Alan White. But John Anderson, Steve Howe, Chris Squire, uh, Rick Wakeman, and Alan White. That was in the early two thousands. I saw them, and then I saw them again with uh, without Rick Wakeman. And instead of Rick Wakeman, they played with a symphony, um, which was really cool. So the, all the keyboard parts were done by a by a full symphony. Um, <laughs> wow! But That's yeah, there's all, but there's like props overload. on stage. It was it was it was a lot. Um, well, because they did an album in the 2000s with a symphony. It's called Magnification, and because Rick Wakeman wasn't with the band, they were trying to record. And instead of getting a keyboard player, they just wrote all these new songs with a symphony. And uh, uh, but that was a good show. But I did get to see them with the classic lineup, and yeah, they had all these like blow up props on stage, and you know, it just looked like Roger Dean had painted the the stage. It was pretty incredible. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking now that <laughs> the, just the remarkable thing about this band is so many components are just amazing. From John Anderson and his unique, very there's nobody else with a voice like him writing lyrics and songs Mm -hmm. the way he does. So you got that and you got freaking Steve Howe on guitar, which is an Mm -hmm. island of guitar playing onto itself. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) And the list goes on. Bill Bruford, when he was available, Roger Dean doing that artwork. Like that is just one of the coolest. (laughs) Right. Right. uh, He's up there with the guy who, I'm forgetting the name of them right now, but the guy who does artwork for Pink Floyd, just distinct visual tones. And it's just so... Oh, yeah, fitting yeah. for this music. Oh, I can't think. Yeah. And then we mm-hmm. haven't even gotten into the bass on this album. Uh, Chris, Chris Squire and his Man. tone. That crunchy, yeah. it's not fuzzy, yeah. but just wiry. Well, he played he played through Marshall guitar amps a lot of times. 
that's how he got a lot of that that sound. It's so distinct. And and I and I and instead of using a pick, I believe he uses a like a sixpence, right? To 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 pluck with. I mean, what a what an awesome awesome bass player. Yeah, when I was when I was in high school and college, I I had a band, and boy, we tried our best. You know, the bass player was really into yes, and he tried. He he would he would get that tone. Great bass player. Still still. One of the the better bass players I know, and he would uh, he kind of got that tone, uh, and I was trying to do the Steve Howell thing, and we were trying to write, you know, yes style music, and uh, it came out very amateurish because we were eighteen years old. Yeah. Um, but but we we recorded we recorded a, a full record of these tunes. Um, we also were really into like Fish and stuff like that, so it can't kind of was like jam band, mm-hmm. you know, jam band prog, but very very uh, weak. <laughs> Um, got to start somewhere. But, uh, yeah, it took I, them five albums to get the, to this point. You know, they were going full yeah, steam. Yeah, I've still for got years. those. That's that's true. That's true. We we uh we uh we played together for years, and we eventually just kind of turned into a cover band. And we would try to cover Roundabout, but we we do we didn't have a keyboard player in the band. We were two guitars, bass, and drums, so it was very tough to do a lot of those songs. Um, sometimes we'd get my dad to sit in, which was nice because he he could play all those tunes. So. Um, but man, yeah, trying to organize those tunes, even just to do them as covers. I don't know how these Yes tribute bands do it. <laughs> I mean, practice, just practice, to learn practice. That stuff. I guess, right? Like, man, that, that stuff is complicated. I gotta say, I, I guess it's it's we're deep enough into the episode now. Um, Rick Wakeman is not as strong strong a component for me as everything else going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I do like his synth work. I love the Mellotron moments, and you and I yeah. springs that out beautifully. Mm-hmm. He is obviously an important part of everything, but like um, moments like the harpsichord on Siberian Katru, mm-hmm. it's a little silly for me. I don't know how you feel about that. Oh, see, I love it. See, I love it. I, I completely, I completely yeah. love that. I part. mean, I figure most Yes fans are probably still faithful to that. But. but you know what I love about? Yeah, I'll tell you what I love about that that moment of the harpsichord. Yeah, right. Is it does seem kind of silly, and and you kind of go, "What's going on?" And then Steve Howe brings in that slide right after it, and then goes into one of his most ripping. Oh yeah, solos, no, the whole you know? rest of the song uh, is, is firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Oh man, so it's almost like it's almost like this little like moment, and maybe maybe it's intentionally supposed to be a little silly, right? Because you're kind of going, so. "Oh, what are they doing?" And then Steve Howe just rips your face <laughs> off, you know, with with the next with the next little. It's just part. if if you um, were like I don't know. Mike Myers back in the day or somebody you wanted to make fun of this band as a sound, that would be the part where you... Yeah, I get that. But, you know, if 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 you, you know, whenever that moment plays, and may, maybe you're right, maybe I do agree with you now that I think about it more, because whenever that moment plays, I don't, I'm don't. not listening to the harp score, I'm listening to the bass. Because the bass playing behind that... Oh, yeah, the bass I can always lock oh, on to. Yeah. It's just the most... At any moment. Yeah, it's just awesome, like the do-do-do-ba-do-do-do-do-do. I mean, just the coolest lines ever, right? It's it's kind of like Rick Wakeman. I mean, in most of the album, he obviously has certain moments that he owns, but a lot of his albums, he's inserting himself into an already full thing, sure. almost yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have mixed feelings on the organ and close to the edge. I mean, that is one of the most distinct, memorable parts mm-hmm. of the song for sure. But first, and they they went to a church to record yeah. it. I mean, it's a gigantic sound. But what are your? Are you like a hundred percent on board for that whole? Yep. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, the 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 
if you read some of the the, the background on it, I don't know. Steve Howe always says that the that that section was a guitar part, and then they decided to record it on organ. I don't know how that would have worked. Mm. Right. So I guess a little classical. Yeah, moment. what the guitar sounded like doing. I that. don't know. Like. You know. I don't know how that would have translated differently. I, it would have been a totally different song, but yeah, I love that pipe organ, and I just I love that they went to it because you're not you don't get that. I mean, you you couldn't get that sound today, even with the MIDI stuff. You got to no. go to a church, set up all the mics, get that giant pipe organ, and mm, man, yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, again, you're looking at uh, four different songs essentially, you know, within within oh, yeah. one. So that's just this other different you know, piece of music. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like kind of more improvisational freak out. Kind of sounds like the Mahavishnu orchestra yep. a bit mm-hmm. in the beginning yep. there. Uh, total mass retain. I think that's my favorite mm-hmm. movement in the song. It's just, it's just real melodic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, but it's all those little turning mm-hmm. gears of the different parts and the guitar, especially like they're just, yeah. they're cramming a lot in there. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Um, then you get this kind of ambient, uh, Wendy Carlos inspired. Yes section just ambient sounds and just a very relaxing atmosphere and you kind of get to breathe but and and during that atmospheric part i love the organ in the background just going yes i like that part oh yeah and it sounds like the organ's underwater they've got the perfect like splashy reverb Mm -hmm. on it i love all that and then just phantom of the opera yeah (laughs) which big i would be i think i would be more okay with if it got big like that and then it stayed big. What I don't like is it gets quieter again. Oh, I see what you're it gets saying. Calm again, okay. And then it goes big. Like, I don't need that to yeah, happen yeah. twice. It's like, okay. just it's interesting. organ overload for me. But, uh, and then obviously the rest of the song, they tie up everything beautifully. What about the organ solo? I mean, that organ, the organ solo. solo. Yeah, it's it's more when he sees just staying on those jarring. Uh, yeah, yeah not, sure. They're not dissonant right. chords in theory, but it's just <laughs> such a, a piercing sound that it, it hangs on that and like, tries to carry that a little too long for me but well i wonder i wonder because again that's what's on the record is not the take they wanted Weird. so i wonder what the take they wanted sounded like you know or I mean? if they're the kind of people where everything about this album they sort of want to redo and they don't feel like they got quite right you know are they those kind of well musicians i'm sure where it's i'm sure it's in their mind these are all failed attempts now have you ever have you ever watched uh yes shows i have not or no, or or yes songs. Sorry, I yes haven't. Songs. I'm I'm really bad about checking out live footage of of bands in general. I tend to be so like recording minded. Yeah, well, yes songs was just as important to me at the time because I had a VHS. Did that come out the same year of, or like the year later? Like well, that was the tour they did for close to the edge. Okay, that was so the like tour they did. Yeah. And well, and it was immediately after, and Alan White jumped on tour oh. with them. And he had like one day rehearsal or something like that too, which is insanity. Um, but you know, Bill Bruford finished the record, then they went on tour for it with Alan White. Um, but if you you know, you can check it out because you can hear exactly what Close to the Edge was supposed to sound like live because you know they they play it just immediately after recording the record. Um, you know, the church organ stuff is just done with a Hammond, right, you know, right. uh, on stage, and uh, everyone's just playing like just you know balls to the wall like just super i mean steve howe is just playing through an amp on 10 i mean it's just a cranked up amp like this is and he's and he's he's rocking on those 
those hollow body guitars that are just so on the verge of feedback. It's just about to be like the most chaotic moment. Yeah. You know, if he if he's not paying attention and lets it go, it's just going to squeal. But yet he's he's just wrestling that guitar the They're whole show. They're close to the edge, Mark. That's yeah, the, yeah, <laughs> the whole through yeah, line basically. with this album. They're pushing it as far as it can go. Uh, so that's a really good one to watch. Um, what's funny is they do this. It's 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 my biggest pet peeve with the seventies and eighties. Um, they would they insert other imagery during the live concert footage. Um, uh, so like, oh yeah, like uh, how we won the we- or whatever. What's the uh, the, Led the song re- song remains song the same. Remains yeah. the same movie. Yeah, that kind of. Thing. And so so I weirdly have this association with close to the edge with um like praying mantis and bugs and stuff because <laughs> they insert that they insert this footage this like nature documentary yeah. footage inside, but in in such an inconsistent way and uh, only during close to the edge. I, it's like they just must have like maybe the maybe some of the footage some of the camera angle footage got bad or something mm. i don't know why they do that it's really annoying but in my mind when i listen to the song i still see that footage because i've listened to that uh, i've watched that that uh live show so much i had it on vhs thank god for youtube because you can watch the whole thing on youtube because um, i don't have a way to play vhs anymore um See, maybe that's why I don't watch uh, live footage or any of that usually because I I have my own imagery in my mind associated with this music because it is very evocative of like landscapes and scenery and just for sure. You get a whole thing going on in your mind, your your third eye listening to the stuff. And so I'm I'm glad I still I have that uh, unblemished. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because this definitely, this is so, that was another appeal to me about this band. I mean, Pink Floyd is another example, but particularly, yes, is just these journeys, right? The long Mm -hmm. song lengths, the amount of different sounds they fit in there and how things build up over time, the different movements. There's such a, um, just like a personal journey kind of group. They really, they take you for a ride and this music absolutely demands you hear it in sequence and, you know, you you carve out some time. I I was great. I, uh, so I, I, visited new york city this past weekend so i i I got to totally tune into this album on the way home with headphones Mm. like on the bus you know i got nowhere else to go i can just sit and really you know watch the scenery yeah uh and that's that's a appropriate way to hear it i think yeah yeah oh i mean having you know becoming you know as, as a 16 year old with a with a you know i had a had the you know cds were just getting kind of like going and i i had that thing that that you could take a Walkman and you had the little adapter with a cassette on the end of it that you could put in your cassette player in the car. Oh, yeah. And I used to listen to, I had like three albums in my car and this was one of them. So, I I mean, I probably listened to the original, my CD of this, you know, 5,000 times. times. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just just all the time. And I would would roll into school, windows down, cranking up, um, you know, roll into high school with cranking up close to the edge and, Everybody's like, what's that kid doing? (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, I mean, it would be my number one, you know, like Stranded on on an Island album because there's just, you just get so much music. Yeah, you get a little bit of everything. You You just get so much and there's, you can listen to it, you know, a million times and find something new. You can spend one whole time listening to the bass, one whole time listening to the drums, you know? learning all the lyrics um 
you know, and we're and I know we're, we're really talking mostly about the title track, Close to the Edge, but and you and I, and you and I, man, that I mean, that was my it, favorite. I don't think I have a favorite okay. anymore, but that was my favorite for a while. It's so good. It almost it almost stinks that it exists on this album with the title track. You know what I mean? Like because that song in its own could That's be an the, embarrassment of riches. That's what makes this album yeah, so special. For sure, for sure, for sure. Um, and that's that's one of the ones I I wanted to learn early on was and you and I on acoustic on guitar? guitar, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah for come sure. Because it's got all those cool acoustic parts. Um, the uh, the middle section, the preacher and the teacher, the uh, sort of countryish sort of part. I remember I remember learning that. And uh, uh, if you, if if you're if any guitar players are listening, check that part out, and then check out. Um, uh, crash into you by dave matthews it's the it's like he he learned that song right before he wrote that crash it's the same exact guitar i can, riff. I can picture dave matthews listening to this on repeat not that i but it's know like a ton the about same him, ex- but yeah, it's, yeah it's the same exact guitar riff it, huh? like, oh man you dirty dog yeah <laughs> it's a paying homage right <laughs> yeah exactly exactly uh man yeah there's there's so much about it one thing that's really striking me now is, you know, an album that sounds this gigantic and has so much in it, usually when you look at the personnel, you know, the credits, it's a million people. And this is like, the music is five people. They can five do people. all this, just five guys. And not a team of like engineers and producers. Either. Right. And then the production is also like five dudes, including F- F- Roger Dean. And they right. just, they were, in a way, they're such like a small, tight knit operation too yeah um yeah. no weak links really i mean despite me throwing a little bit of shade to rick wakeman i mean they're yeah i mean and that's and that's and it's not a weak link that's just personal preference yeah you know, so yeah he did as um, as I, good as any keyboardist is going to do in a group like this. right right it's not going to get better yeah um I, I i think you're totally right like like you've got a group of of you know uh, just some of the best players in the world that make just some of the biggest sounds it's why it's why I, I was always such, so enamored with Rush. That's three guys that make just huge monster sounds. And I've always loved playing in the power trio mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, it's something you don't... I mean, myself, when I record my own music, you know, I, I swear, I start every tune by going, okay, this is going to be just a guitar, bass, drums, keyboard song. Here we go. Mm. And then... You know, a week later, I've layered 29 tracks on top of it with, you know, <laughs> I've got a kazoo and a shaker and yeah, like all this yeah. other kind of garbage. And it's like, I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they, yeah. you know, and it's not that like, and, and you know, it's not like the guitar part is a lead guitar with a rhythm underneath it and an acoustic and a duh and a duh. It's, it's nope, like it's one, one track of guitar, one track yeah. of bass, one track of keyboards. I, 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 yeah, I'll never understand how. I would love to have been a fly on the wall through any of those yes recordings just to just to see how they put it together. Also, how you put together an 18-minute song with so many parts on tape. <laughs> I, as someone who records, you know, for a living, I don't understand how that works. I don't understand how you do it. And again, I think another magical part of this album, but also the thing that drove uh, Bill Bruford crazy the amount of balance and negotiation associated mm-hmm. with every decision, because it's not like they just had one or two dictators in the band. Right. It right. really is such a collaborative effort with everybody fulfilling their role in a perfect For way. For better or worse. So the amount of, des- I mean, 
forget the hard work, just the physical labor of assembling something. It's you have to be on the same page and this have this democratic process. And it's there's very there's very few groups of five extremely talented gentlemen that could that could work out something like this. I mean, I think that's really the the secret and key to this whole thing. Totally agree. And and I mean, again, for better or worse, because you've got you've got everybody getting to put in their input, but that means you've also got everybody getting to put in their input. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and how do you cut stuff out later if you didn't uh-huh. you all have to collectively decide something works or doesn't work? I think that's why I think that's why Eddie Offord is such a such a you know genius because he was able to to wrangle these guys into you know completing this song and and putting it out you know as as you know immaculate sounding as it is um, with all of the I know the problems that were going on within the recording process. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking about being a fly on the wall. I think it would have been a, at points like a really miserable <laughs> seeming process, <laughs> yeah, but it probably was. I yeah. mean, they they put it all into the music and it it paid off immensely oh yeah big time big time and you know i mean it it there's a lot there's a lot of uh a lot of personalities in this band and you can kind of see that as the years go on and with members leaving and new mm. styles being played and yeah and cu- currently there are two bands there are two yes bands touring there's <laughs> the schism there's steve how there's steve Howe and alan white plus their guys and then there's john anderson rick wakeman and uh, trevor raven plus their guys and they're both going out as yes wow. and it's a very spinal tappy thing you know it's like we're the originals. Well, we're the we're. Th- I bet they're they're. I bet they're so much happier with it that way, though. I bet they're each like finally doing the band in the way they've always wanted to, or right. something like that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Which, and unfortunately, they're all just getting so old that the music is just. I know Alan like Alan White when they were touring, he had a he had another drummer playing, so they were yeah. having two drummers because he just physic he physically can't keep up, um, and. Uh, you know, Steve Howe, I love the guy. He is one of my like biggest heroes. Uh, I've, I've bought gear, like equipment yeah. because of him. And now he just plays like a strap <laughs> through, you know, a line six amp. And it's just like, oh, Steve, yeah, why you gotta be like he's, that? He's done fiddling with the settings. He's just play the gig and yeah. Right, exactly. He just right, then that's the thing, right? It's just it's just play the gig now. I will. I got to give them credit though, because you know there's a lot of bands that go out and do that and just play the gig. And you know, I mean, how many farewell tours has Kiss done? Mm. You know, um, and and yes, have put out consistently albums. They have a new album coming out. The Steve Howe version of Yes has a new album coming out this month. What? Like a new studio album? <laughs> yeah. But they've they've consistently put out studio albums. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm looking then. at the discography. They really they churn them out and throughout the '80s and everything. But they're so they're not just doing the, and the albums are not great. The newer uh, ones, you know, not I mean, a even fan, like really. the, from um, the '80s on, they get a little. They 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 fell victim to I, the '80s I, production I, stuff. I love to a little bit. Yeah, I I do I do have a soft spot for the '80s stuff. Owner of a lonely heart. It's a good song. Have you seen the music video for <laughs> Owner of a Lonely Heart? Oh, my God. So if it's anybody out there else. wants to laugh. Laugh, laugh, laugh. Uh-huh. Uh, with a little twinge of guilt, but mostly just mirth, uh, they were not a music video band. And no. that is very no, clear with the music video for uh, Owner of a Lonely Heart. If you just want to see the most awkward body language on film. <laughs> and, and also with some of the 
most high tech at the time mm-hmm. computer generated graphics. You know that I can forgive a little bit more because all the, the all the bands fell into that that trap. Right, but because of how awkward they look in this oh, yeah. Yeah, CGI yeah. world, is it's just hilarious. Um, I, I laughed heartily. Yeah, yeah, but I, again. I still, I still, I still listen to all their new stuff. Like when it comes out, to just I'm going to give it a chance. I want to hear it. Yeah. Um, uh, it's not my favorite. It's they've slowed down a lot. There's not a lot of that fire anymore. But I, I just yeah. give them credit for for keep keep uh, moving the needle. Right, not just doing the greatest hits yeah. tour over and over and over. Um, and I think that's I think that's pretty cool. You'd always prefer to see that with the band, even if you're not going to necessarily get into everything they do. Right. I mean. This I obvious this I feel for me, you know, as a fair weather yes fan, this marks mm. the end of like their absolute peak. Sure. And whether how much that was tied to Bill Bruford, I don't know. But just the the amount of life energy that making an album like Close to the Edge or Fragile or Tales from Topographic Oceans like or not the that yes the yes takes, album too was yeah I, and I love the yes album uh, the amount that that takes from you and that it asks of you and the amount of yourself that you have to put into music like this to really get it to that level like, you can't carry that on throughout your whole life and uh, right. I mean this album's coming up on fifty years old yeah. too. It's wild. It's crazy to think. So they they did an album in the two thousands called the ladder, um, mm. like a step ladder. The ladder. Um, it's it's very good. It's very very. Uh, good. It's from nineteen ninety nine, actually. Okay, well there you go. Uh, but it's I'm looking at the cover. I'd never even heard of this thing. The the cover is is peak Roger Dean. Clueless. That's that's probably that's their last good album and the first okay. good album since the eighties. It's basically like this anomaly. It's okay. It's very good. It does not have Rick Wakeman, unfortunately, but it has everybody else. Um, mm-hmm. It has a, a, a Russian keyboardist, Igor something. Kuroshev. Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, I mean, great, great player, and he contributes a lot. Sounds very much like he studied Rick Wakeman you know, through and through. That's gotcha. a great album. Yeah. Um, that album, Magnification, was the next one, and that has the symphony on it, which is good in its own right. Uh, okay. They did an album a couple years ago called Fly From Here, and it's it's funny. I got the album. I was like, man, these songs are good, but the production is terrible. Yeah, like it that's sounds, the thing. You don't have... But here's, did, how long did Offered stay with them? Well, here's the thing. So they went back in and had Offered redo it, like remix, reproduce, and they had one. Of, they had Joff Downs come in and sing on it. I think I'm saying... I think that's correct. They basically redid the vocals and redid the production, and it's a great album. Hmm. I actually I actually bought the physical CD because uh, I was like, oh, sweet! They they got the they got the the you know the classics back in here to because it was an album they wrote in the seventies. They never uh, recorded okay. it. Okay, yeah, so that makes it a little bit more. But unique. then, but they recorded it with their like tribute band singer that they had been touring with, and he wasn't mm. very good. So they went back and got uh, I think it was Joff Downs. They got he's the guy that sang on drama. He's the guy from uh, gotcha. The, yeah. the the uh, the Buggles, right? The Buggles. Is, uh, uh, video yeah. killed the yeah. Re- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He sang on drama, and then they they re re remix it and stuff, and it sounds so much better. So that's a pretty good one. But again, okay. I just like that they're I, I, they. I'd rather them put out terrible albums than just do a greatest hits tour then every year. Do nothing. Yeah. 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 So. 
Fair you know, point for sure. There's only so many years left with the remaining members, so it's uh you know they're 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 in their seventies and you know we lost Chris Squire, which was that was that was yeah. a big one. That was a big. That was one of the that one and Neil Pert were Pert, I should say, were uh that was those are kind of like the big big ones for me in the last couple of years. It's like man, I don't usually get uh affected by those you know celebrity death deaths right you know, right. Yeah, on a personal level, but those those two, especially Chris Squire, that was I was like, man, come on. Yeah. Titans of uh experimental rock. Yeah, for sure. They really left their mark. For sure. Um well, if we were to sum up close to the edge in three words, this this mammoth of an album, <laughs> what, what would you say? Oh man. I I, I can't do it in three words. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> it's eighteen minutes long. 18 minutes long? Yeah. 18 minutes long. (laughs) Um, I mean, prog rock epic, right? You know, uh, it's the best, best of the best hyphenated. (laughs) Yeah. And I, and I think the secret sauce about this album and a couple others, I guess I've done is they can do everything. They really, like, they can do anything musically they set their minds to. That's the kind of players they are. But yep. they still are able to just do what serves the song. There aren't Absolutely. any moments where it feels like they're doing this because they can. Right. Or because they're just, like, in their own heads, like, stroking their ego. They're, right. You get a lot of that, in my opinion, with, with many other albums yes. and artists. And you avoid all that with this one, which really yep. sets it apart. Yeah. So if, it, if, yeah if, if any of the listeners have not listened to this album just with your eyes closed in a dark room, just go do it. I mean, like, yeah, this is just, an experience. It is. It truly is. It truly is. And you know, it's uh, a, a little while ago I went down one of those rabbit holes of like young kids, like, and people who don't listen to the genre reaction videos on YouTube, and it's oh, great. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's a lot of them. It's just fun watching people like hear it for the first time, and and you're like, you know, and they get it, and they get it. It's like, man. Yeah. You know, you see their eyes light up as soon as, you know, the during the beginning and ah, John Anderson coming in with his, you know, oh, this is an instrumental song. Oh, no, there's the vocals, you know. It's great. It's great. It's killer. Yeah. And then it kicks into, I mean, I love, one of my words is going to be groove because this has so many moments of just, it does. They get back in that groove with that drums and that bass. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Stick to the basics. Bill Bruford, man. And then I gotta say, epic. Yeah. You know, the song is trying to swallow the universe. There's yeah, a lot of moments where sure. I'm thinking that. For sure. Um, and then uh, I'll go with uh, transcendental. Oh, that's a good word. Yeah. That that could have been a that might be a lyric inside the song. <laughs> Probably is. I'm sure he's used transcendental. I'm sure John John Anderson's mm-hmm. used that used that as a lyric. That's good. All right, this is great. Thanks for suggesting this one. I wouldn't necessarily think to talk about yes, but they did. Uh, this album did find me at a formational time, and yeah. you know, I definitely still have a lot of appreciation for it. Yeah, I, I trust me. I love I love talking about it. <laughs> so, Mark, uh, people want to check you out, see what you got going on. Where would you uh, point them? Um, you can check out all my music on you know the streaming services under my name, Mark Grundhofer. Uh, I put out a lot of music. I've taken a little break from that for now to work on some other things. Um, I also, uh, uh, our company, Metro Music Makers, if you're ever interested in virtual music lessons um, on guitar, I, that's what I do as my day job. 
And uh, I just started a Patreon, patreon.com slash thecompleteguitarist. And it's a place where I'm posting just uh, lesson videos. And it's like $5 a month. And if you're a intermediate to advanced guitarist or maybe like a maybe maybe you do cover band gigs or you or you just want a singer songwriter anybody that wants to just kind of get that next level i talk about everything from pentatonic scales to modes to to chord voicings to theory and all that kind of stuff in a very easy to understand uh format so yeah be cool if you check that out nice so one-stop shop for sounds like theory and technique yeah i think so i mean it, it's 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 still in it's it's early stages but doing that and, and like i said if, if if anybody's looking for actual virtual one-on-one lessons i do that as well so hit me up awesome yeah we need more good musicians out there in the world that's right and uh you, you could do worse than having a teacher who's super into yes yeah <laughs> that's exactly a, right that's what i'm saying great place to build chops <laughs> uh-huh. all right man this is a blast thanks man i appreciate it That is all for this week. Thanks again to Mark for coming on. Can't say it enough. I had fun. It's <laughs> they're a fun band to talk about. They're they mean business. And uh, next week we're gonna talk Gaucho by Steely Dan. So I will uh, hopefully see you then. Bye bye. <laughs>